0: One of the big things that happens, I feel like, as spiritual practice deepens, is that the the line between spiritual practice and everything else starts to go away.
1: Hello, and welcome to the One Mind Meditation Podcast. My name is Morgan Dix, and this is a show about meditation, mindfulness, and health. Today, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Mark Zelinsky. Mark and I are friends. We participate in a men's group together, which has a sort of spiritual basis. We all practice different forms of meditation and spiritual practice, and, and that's really what draws us together. And um, Mark and I have just had a nice connection in the group, and we got talking one day about our shared passion for meditation, and I learned that Mark does guided meditations at Newton Wellesley Hospital and also records guided meditations for Insight Timer. And I thought, wow, it'd be great to get Mark on the show and learn a little bit more about his story, his path, and what he's learned. So I'm thrilled to have him on the show today. We had a really great conversation and I think you're going to love it. Mark shares some really practical wisdom, stuff that you can apply in your own life and I think you're going to love it. All right, without further ado, let's jump into this show with Mark Zielinski. Mark, welcome to the show, man. I'm so glad we're doing this. I'm glad we got around to it and welcome. Thanks very much, Morgan. It's uh it's an honor to be here. Glad to be here. Fantastic. It's an honor to have you. And, and everybody just quick context here. Mark and I are in a men's group together. We it's called an outings group, but really the thing that binds this group is a certain spiritual inquiry. That everyone shares in, maybe together or alone, but that tends to be one of the primary elements that we have in common. Every, everyone is a practitioner. Absolutely. In, yeah. And, you know, we do things together, but it makes for really rich and robust, particularly related to development and spirituality. So that's how Mark and I met. And we were just chatting once and realized hey, we should have this conversation about meditation on the podcast. was it something like that?
0: yeah, man. That sounds exactly it. I was uh
1: yeah, didn't
0: know your history very much, and then, as soon as I started hearing it, I was like oh wow we we should elaborate on this
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely, and I think for me, one of the things that got my attention, mark, was like when you talked about the work that you do at the hospitals with meditation, Wellesley Hospital, and and we can get into that, and I want to get into that later in the show, but in the beginning what I'd love to do is just kind of, and this is how I start with almost all my guests, is I love to just hear a little bit about your story. Like, what got you interested in meditation? How, How did you start, what precipitated your interest and your engagement with practicing meditation
0: Yeah well it's funny it's in a way it's a, a very long story and in other ways it's short. yeah I basically the spiritual life in general I, I mean growing up, uh, both of my parents were sort of uh, recovering Catholics, if you will like, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. There, there wasn't really a practice, but there were notes of spirituality flowing through it. My mom would give me a book by Richard Bach or um, uh, Khalil Gibran and little things here and there. And I was always sort of fascinated with the kind of mystical guys in pop culture, especially like the 60s, like and Jim Morrison, Led Zeppelin with, you know, Aleister Crowley and stuff like that. Yeah. But I didn't really dive in so much. I, I would take, you know, mini excursions. And it wasn't really until... I was getting, uh, you know, in my early twenties, I was looking into some of these things, but again, the, a consistent practice didn't really build. And I guess I'll, I'll sort of talk about when my consistent practice built and then we can fill it in if that makes Mm. sense. But, um, I'd say probably, I don't know, seven years ago, within 10 years ago, um, I was, I was feeling, the need to, I was really feeling the search come on that I um, had sort of abandoned an aspect of maybe drinking a little bit too much and just sort of just feeling out of sorts. And I actually remember um, I was having a a surgery to get this uh, thing removed, like a lipoma, just like a non-dangerous kind of little thing on my back. Mm -hmm. But I can picture myself sort of sitting there just listening to uh, Dharma talks and uh, just feeling the connection deepen. And actually, you uh, talked about in the men's group, but the reason I'm in the men's group in part is because of the teacher, Neil Kramer, as you know, and it was around that same time that one of my friends introduced me to his work. And so as with a lot of these things, I feel like, you know, the synchronicities were sort of like piling up, and I right, was just, right. I was like, all right, I mean, either, you know, pay attention to what's being showed to you or, you know, it's completely turned on, you know, there was really no, it wasn't getting turned off at that point. And so I found this teacher, Gil Franzdahl. he has a um, site called Audio Dharma, And mm. I listened to his talks and he led me into all these other teachers Probably most prominently, uh, Tenisaro Bhikkhu who was a guest at his place, and he is in the Thai forest tradition mm. and a Buddhism. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so a, a type of Theravada Buddhism. Um, and these guys were sort of sick of the opulence of the temples, went out into the forest, and with kind of the real basics of the the Pali Canon, the Buddhist texts, and sort of applied them to themselves you know just this body this mind and explored them and came out with some pretty beautiful teachings that he is, he's keeping alive now and so in a way that I bring him up particularly because it, when I talk about my practice itself a, a lot of the basis is around the way he teaches and mm-hmm, I also mm-hmm. sort of take the uh, the idea that was that's sort of grown in there that each of our practices is our own. So I, I have these, um, you feel free to explore, but you, I also have sort of a, a basis and some elders who
1: I deem wise. Yes, yeah.
0: Yeah, just over time it, it grew.
1: Yes, yeah. How How old were you when, when you started to go into that? You said it was about 10 years ago.
0: Yeah, let's see. Um, I recall that the friend of mine who, who turned me on to Kramer. Uh, actually, we had talked about massage school. I, I went to massage school with him, and it was kind of during that period where it was, so I was around 30, yeah, and I'm 43. So it was a, a little more than 10 years ago where the sparks yeah. started going off, yeah. more so than that middle period <laughs> between, you know, 20 and then. but
1: Yes. So when I think about that Thai forest tradition, it's like the the kind of ascetic, almost like, the way you talk about it. it's almost like just following Buddha, Shakyamuni, at, you know, as as Gautama before his enlightenment, just going out and being, living a, a life of poverty and asceticism. And what, what was it about the tradition that appealed to you and, and that still appeals to you? Like, wh- why, why do you find that that is the, the kind of ground for you?
0: Well, the, the applicability of just his meditation teachings—it's funny because obviously you know me. I don't—I don't lead an ascetic life, and I, I think—I um, mean, I guess in in some ways, maybe to some people, it would seem that way. But
1: um, right. the you enjoy the comforts of our modern age, yeah. as it were. You know, <laughs> true. Yeah, but like most of us, yeah,
0: yeah. The meditation teachings themselves um i guess partially i just the fact that they work and mm. how it sort of it really crosses it crosses into other teachings that i'm fond of as well yeah. but uh, th- he has this concept um that he gets from one of these um one of the thai forest masters ajahn lee he talks about breath energy and it, it's it's a unique way of describing. I mean most of us who meditate have done some uh, meditation on breathing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, following the in and out breath and there's so many different ways that people look at that like oh you follow it at the navel and stay there or follow it at the nose. There, there's one that I learned from Dan Brown that I like a lot actually that you follow the entirety of the in breath, the entirety of the out breath and then you in the interim between the two you look at the, the body as a whole and then you do that again and that it, it deepens actually to following it even more more and more uh f- with more fine detail to develop this concentration now with the teaching that i learned from tenisura bhikkhu he sort of very casually says okay man follow the breath and he'll Sometimes split some other teachings. He'll, he'll say, he'll say, uh, bring, bring some goodwill into your meditation. And but so starting this very simple way, he he starts you just by following the breath, and then he gets you to infuse the whole body with the breath, with this idea of breath energy. He says, so mm. it's not just the sensations of breathing. Ultimately, the combination of the feeling of the body as a whole in space. And the breath start to fuse together, and then he starts talking about, you know, if if it's helpful to look at the breath like moving up the back and then moving down the front. So it starts to get into sort of the the chakra concepts, and he'll he'll refer to that too. As traditional as sometimes these guys are seen, or like, oh, they only follow this and that's all. Um, he's a pretty aware guy, and I'll be like, it, it's kind of like the chakras or the meridian channels and chi and so he gives you permission to say look you're you're sitting there with your breath and you can see what's going on in your body and you're your own doctor i mean essentially like he's like the buddha took the you know 2500 year old concepts of medicine and applied them to the mind you know uh, like how how can we make our mind uh flourish essentially find mm. find happiness and mm. The proposition of taking the breath to observe the the somatic aspect of our being and then connecting that with the mental aspects and so uh, I don't know if that <laughs> sort of
1: yeah, well, starting to get there it, yeah, it makes sense to me that a a master or a teacher like that would acknowledge or speak to those things because when you meditate for a lot, and especially when you're following your breath, that's going to be a naturally emergent experience, you know, and you want to, you want to put some context around that. It's just a net, it's a natural part of the human energy system, whether, you know, albeit subtle, it's real. And, you know, if you've meditated for a long time, and certainly if you've meditated on the breath, you're likely to have had an experience like, the one you're describing Um, yeah
0: and it's so it's so available it's so yes and and it helps to describe it to people who are new sometimes that the breath is it's it's that thing in between being automatic and under your will so it's a really Mm -hmm. good way to work with will in general with yeah so how do how do i allow the breath because we don't have complete control over it. If I try to stop it, I faint or, or whatever. But if I allow the breath in this way, what can I open up to, you know?
1: Totally. So. So, all right. So you said that there were certain aspects of these teachings that appealed to you because there, there were like practices that you could apply. And could you speak a little bit to like, there must have been, or or I guess the question is, Did you have some initial experiences through this teacher or these practices that kind of shot you forward or or kind of opened you up or showed you a particular light that maybe you had not seen before? And, And if so, what was that? What kind of transformation was it? Hey there. So... Are you interested in starting a meditation practice? Do you already have a meditation practice, but you feel like it's flagging? Let me introduce you to the Meditation for Life mini-course, your guide to discovering the positivity, balance, and the ocean of calm that's already inside you. As you know, on this podcast, we interview people who have, in many respects, discovered that ocean of calm for themselves. And through our Meditation for Life mini-course, we're really trying to provide you with the tools that are going to give you the ability to tap into that same positivity and balance and calm inside of yourself. Really, it's a way to discover a sustainable source of daily happiness. It's self-paced and it's gonna take you on a journey and give you some really essential tools. So we're talking a simple course here. It's like five in-depth lessons, five guided meditations, a couple beautiful infographics, a meditation challenge. But basically, if you can imagine what it would feel like to walk into work, for example, feeling light and free and ready for anything, If you can imagine being ready to manage family disputes with calm presence, or to stop beating yourself up and start caring more for the most important person in your life, you. So let's be clear up front. It doesn't take a lot of time, but if you invest a little every day, meditation can change your life. It's like learning any new skill. It gets a little easier each time. When you meditate every morning for 10 to 15 minutes, you'll notice things starting to change because every day you're doing the inner work, the hardest work first. You'll start your day generating focus, clearing your mind, and establishing a confident and grounded center. So remember, I love this quote. The great filmmaker David Lynch says, The thing about meditation is you become more and more you. So what are you waiting for? Join us. Check out the Meditation for Life mini course over at aboutmeditation.com. Did you have some initial experiences through this teacher or these practices that kind of shot you forward or, or kind of opened you up or showed you a particular light that maybe you had not seen before? And, and if so, what was that? What kind of transformation was it?
0: Yeah, I um, it's funny because when I think of that time, it was just so immersive. You know, some people, you know, will go off on retreats and And I, you know, at the time I didn't, I couldn't really do that. Maybe I could have to some degree. And I've, I've done very short sort of day longs and went to see this teacher here. But when I started to integrate this stuff, it was like the, the Dharma became my news. It became everything, like like Mm. all of the, I was still driving a little bit more in my job. So I'd be listening to, to Neil, Neil Kramer Interviews and talks. I'd be listening to Gilfranstahl and Tanisra Bhikkhu. That was my news. That was This it was what would tell me how to behave when I got to the next place I went in a way, you know, I'd be mm-hmm, like so mm-hmm. We'd be I'd listen to a talk on the five spiritual faculties and and the, I mean and these things are just um, The way the teachers that I like break them down. I mean, it's so non-dogmatic. It It's like it's like I mean, the Buddha was just a dude who, who, and he acknowledged, I'm a human. And so here's here are some human strengths and here are some human weaknesses. So let's cultivate some of these strengths and let's see if we can take it easy on like following the lust and the greed and the delusion. And so, you know, a, a simple spiritual faculty or... Even something like Meta or Goodwill. I say, you know, and what if I put goodwill in front of me as I drive? What happens? Oh, the space opens up between me and the other car. Or even we I would go see accounts sometimes for my job. Sort sort of sales. And yeah. If I knew I had a difficult account coming, I would like I would put the put the goodwill forward like there and I would it it just it just worked, I guess. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the thing. Like, it, I I started taking these, and I was I was really, like I said, I was immersed in my in myself in them. So it was impossible not to uh, sort of apply. I mean, at first it, I didn't even have that great a meditation practice. So, you know, I I would I would try a little bit, and I say, oh, that worked, or or that felt good, and. And then I'd miss a couple of days, but it, it took the ideas at first or what, what really seemed to sink in. And,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: and it was almost like I was meditating as driving, but then I, I did find that over time it was even more helpful, even more embodying to, to get that practice steady, to, yeah. to make that devotion, you know, uh, a thing I did, you know, sitting down mm-hmm. secluded. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah if that answers the question somewhat, I I don't know.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, I can relate to this idea of like, I love, well, a couple of things I loved about that. One is like the the quote that the Dharma became my news is like, that should go up on the front of (laughs) our website at aboutmeditation.com, I love that. Let the Dharma become your daily news, that's sweet. And the other thing I liked, I liked how you described putting the goodwill in front of you and almost as like a buff, not, not a, sh- not a shield as it were, but like a buffer, like a, a, you know, a, an intention or a filter through which the world is coming and at you or you're going into the world. And absolutely. so obviously fundamentally determining, coloring one's perspective on everything that is all emergent phenomenon, everything that you're, kind of moving through and i've had that experience a little bit i've kind of been uh re myself in buddhism and and enjoying some of the commentaries around compassion and the bodhisattva and and i've noticed similar things when you go when you walk down the street and you think about everyone's got their own burden that they're carrying And you place that in the context of your own suffering, which, you know, I know what suffering is because I've suffered. I've suffered physically. I've suffered mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Everyone knows different levels of suffering through their own suffering. And then, so we have that reference point. And then if you can walk forward, then knowing that everyone's got their own variation of that and probably... May not be as fortunate as you in a lot of respects, whether it's life conditions, whether it's losses, whether it's the, the exposure to higher perspectives that may that they may have never had. It's all of those things, and then you you just appreciate on just almost like a human level. God, we're all in this together in in the most amazing way, and it's it's really so much nicer to go through this world kind of with a compassionate orientation or as you said putting the goodwill in front of me than it is just going to my default which is you know you're just kind of scanning the street and you're kind of judging everything well from the buddhist context either you know through kind of attraction or repulsion yeah but you know like Ultimately, you're just like, you know, I want it, I don't want it, I want it, I don't want it. Right. You know, that 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 obviously is a lot for someone who's reached the ripe old age of whatever we are in yeah. our mid-40s. Yeah. It, it's a lot more nuanced than that, our judgments. But I guess, you know, you could boil it back down to just that, like that kind of inner tug of war, which leads to just, as we know,
0: Absolutely. unhappiness.
1: Yeah, it's it's certainly not the same. So. For me, that's what really came to mind as you were talking about that.
0: Yeah, man. I I, and I I like how you uh, you use the word intention there, and i've been I've been putting that into my practice a lot uh, Mm. lately as well. Just you know, when I when I record guided meditations, or if I when I'm guiding, it just it it occurs to me uh, like when we're setting the body up just to. Just set up that mind space that we have the luxury of a moment just to say, like, what is my intention here? And usually it's it's some kind of um, well-being for meditation. Right. But but really yeah. um, through life in general, you know, I mean, nobody really wants anything but happiness in some way. Right. And the, yeah. some kind of well-being. And so I uh, try to get people to sort of and myself <laughs> to say, <so> like, like <laughs> what's this thread this intentional thread that led me to say this cushion right now, or you know, led me to this seat talking to Morgan right now, mm. and is residing here, and and in a way, it like it kind of gives you a break too. It's like, well, I mean, you know, I was talking about being nervous about being interviewed, I and mean, like, what comes down to it, like, it's it's fine. You know, what could go wrong, really? One right. thing, because I mean. I'm not nervous about talking to you. It's more just the the knowledge that it's like going to go out or whatever. But I mean, if, as long as I, if I look up into the, that mind space and say, well, it's, my intention is goodwill, well-being. I don't mean
1: any harm and okay, we can go. (laughs) Let's just go. It's cool. Yeah. And, and what you described is like a perfect example of like using a diamond to cut a diamond, right? It's like, we have to use our faculties to deconstruct the unconscious patterns right that we have to use the, the very tool to deconstruct the thing we're trying to deconstruct yes if, if that makes sense and like totally yeah i you know i i felt that i think i shared it with you guys when we were out camping and like i was seized by this fear yeah you know, everyone we were in the most beautiful spot by a river it was secluded it was It was just beautiful weather, you know, good friends. You know, we had all the supplies we needed. Everything was fine. Everything was perfect. There (laughs) wasn't, it couldn't couldn't have been more perfect. And the goodwill was overflowing. And I was sitting there setting up my tent and I was just like, I'm scared. (laughs) Yeah. It's primal, right? It's so primal. And I, like I said, I've spent, like a good deal of my youth, I I spent camping, living outside, living in tents for months on end, hitchhiking, and living out of you know, just on beaches or whatever. You know, I've I've spent a lot of time just naked under the moon, you know, metaphorically speaking. Right. And then, so I was like, that's really interesting. And obviously, I just thought like, all right, I'm I haven't camped in twenty some years, but it was just this slow just like taking a few deep breaths and using my mind to be like, okay, what is this? You know, let's go to like, what's the worst case scenario, you know? yeah. But like, somehow I felt trapped even though we were outside in this very free, beautiful open place. And I just had to stop and like, yeah, you know, anyways, it's kind of a total tangent, but Uh, I I
0: relate though. For me, uh, there's a, I think there was a mortal fear that grew in me that I didn't have. It's funny because when you're younger, there's a fearlessness that you have totally. j- just from being young and sort of and the full of, yeah and ignorant, and then and full of hormones, yes, really powerful hormones, huge, it's a lot more. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> but um, even still, I I noticed that that rose in me with having kids. That yeah. that feeling of it was just more likely for that feeling of seclusion or whatever there's something primal about like, Oh, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm supposed to be with them, you know? Yeah. So sometimes I, yeah, for me, when I get scared like that, I connect it sometimes with that with, um, I'm at
1: the wrong hearth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But totally. I thought about it. I was like, I think, you know, some of this is arising because I'm a parent now and it brings mortality definitely more, a little bit more into the fore, and the, implications and reality of it. But um, I wanted to circle back and maybe just try and drill in a little bit more on that first question because I think you, you really did answer it with a wonderfully pragmatic example. And I wanted to ask though, has there been for you any one experience of transcendence that sticks out to you that came either through your practice or that got cat and not that there should have been one experience and that that even matters. But I'm, I'm always curious to ask our guests about that. if there was like a, almost like a spiritual inflection point for you that where you were just like, okay, you know, it's on, I'm, (laughs) I'm different. This is the most important thing to, you know, this is now becoming like my core compass yeah or has become it without even me knowing you know yeah I wish I had one to point to like that,
0: I guess uh, during the time, and this is a little outside meditation, I don't know if being yeah, off topic fine. on that uh, with like sort of like uh plant medicine type stuff um, yes, I did have an experience with um salvia Salvia divinorum, which is mm. legal actually, so it's <laughs> uh but in. This was this was from a negative uh, perspective. Um, and I, basically what I what I ended up being shown was uh, the aspects of the path that I was on um, that were uh, that were deeply descendant and were really leading nowhere and leading to a sort of like hell realm is the best way I could look at it. And I, I had already started having these other things in a stronger way in my life. But yeah, it's, it, as far as a transcendent positive experience for a while, I just felt like I don't have one because it was sort of like they would just, some days it'd just be wave after wave, or I, I mean, I would, yeah. I would have this, that one negative experience that sort of propelled me to just do this harder and harder study. And I, and then, you know, I would have a day alone I would just, I would sit you know, I would just like start crying or whatever. And it was just like, I could just feel it pouring out, you know, and Mm open opening up. Yeah. But I, yeah, they're probably, I'm going to think of something afterwards. I'm going to be like, Oh, there was that moment. (laughs) But, uh, I I don't have a single one. It's, it's really like, you know, just, you know, looking at my, one of my kids and just being like, ah, like, thank goodness. I pulled myself out of that before yeah. I damaged you further or whatever, you know what I mean, yeah. or...
1: well, no, it it sounds almost like a a classical conversion experience where you kind of hit a quote unquote rock bottom, although it's not quite that. Yeah. But you hit a you know you hit a kind of a low, and it it opens you up to another possibility. And yeah. I I had a friend who through salvia had a similar experience. Mm. yes pretty powerful
0: i was just Go gonna ahead. say i mean and it is kind of like this uh pinging back and forth in a way i mean there's because you you said this rock bottom but not necessarily but it's kind of like that I mean, like there was definitely a lower low at some point but it was more unconscious and so like the, yeah as the consciousness yeah. raises up it's like uh i wrote something down the other day it was like diminishing returns of unskillful <laughs> behavior or something like that oh my cat's saying hello hi (laughs) hi, kitty but you know like you can you see the you see it come back and it's oh it's not as bad as it was or (laughs) that yeah uh that like we were saying with the being drawn simply by the that which
1: is positive and negative the the Mm. amoeba like mind (laughs) yes well cool all right so let's talk about this i guess for lack of a better word i guess the progression of your practice towards like okay so it's it's like a two-part question so how has your practice evolved and i'm using the word practice in 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 loose broad terms mm-hmm. definitely yes you're sitting practice but as as we've already kind of covered here we're talking about practice in terms of like imminent you know daily lived experience as much as on the cushion because as as we know they feed each other And so, how have you seen your practice really develop or evolve during that time? And how did it lead to this context in which you are sharing meditation? I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly at the hospitals or teaching meditation at the hospital. And and then maybe start to kind of speak about that a little bit and and what you're doing there.
0: Yeah. uh maybe I'll actually kind of start in with the second part in a way yeah. because I can sort of see a line going back great right. before I ever decided I could share meditation or before I ever recorded one to share my wife was teaching birthing classes you know natural birthing uh hypnobirthing stuff like that and yeah occasionally she would get a request they said oh I don't really like the the voice on that recording do you think you could record it for you for, you know, do you doing it. So I would record her with some music in the background. And for a while I was like, oh, we should, this could be kind of like a little business thing or whatever. But it, it didn't take long before I decided as I was, as I was meditating very steadily, I was like, well, maybe I could try recording a meditation and, and sharing it and see what would happen. Just see how people took to it. So I started noticing that I could observe what my mind was doing during sitting. I I guess that that's one of the ways my practice started to solidify is that I, you know, with what they would call, you know, directive thought and evaluation, I was getting more, more control over that more. I, I could really say oh and now we must do this and eventually maybe now we must stop thinking totally but but there there are these directions that you have to give yourself to to meditate in a way yeah and so definitely i as i saw that i would i would start jotting them down and eventually i i submitted meditations to insight timer which is you know a, a meditation app and so that's like one of the earlier ways where I sort of got the confidence that I could share it and, you know, people liked it. My my thought was that I didn't consider myself at any level at all. I didn't know, you know, I'm not a master. I'm not, I'm, I'm somewhere, but I meditate and it seems to work. So I was like, let's put my words out there because the same thing happened with me. So somebody decided that they should say it and the way they talked and the way they thought appealed to me. So I was like, if, you know, if I have enough confidence, just put it out there. If they like it, fine. If they don't, fine. Yeah. And a lot of people, it seemed to be valuable for enough people. And so I got to the point uh, in that process where I was feeling confident. I was feeling fairly knowledgeable because I did spend so much time studying, uh, even though it was informal. But, and then my sister-in-law is a nurse at Newton-Wellesley, And she was talking to the chaplain and they, they were already offering meditation, uh, like lunchtime meditation four days a week. They just didn't have a Monday person Mm -hmm. essentially. So it's a two 20 minute guided meditations during that hour. And she said, Oh, my brother-in-law might be interested. And you know, they connected me and I said, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a whirl. So that's, Been a couple of years now. And so, yeah, what we do there is, yeah, I I just lead a simple 20 minute guided meditation. It's interesting to see that change as well. Um, It's been, it's definitely been a valuable experience for letting my thoughts flow out and not not worry about, you know, it's probably good for sitting here doing this interview that I've had that practice even, you know. Yeah. Although it's, it's funny. I, I was actually just thinking today how, some of those deep body sort of feeling meditation meditative experience have happened yeah. while i was guiding and i didn't sort yeah. of didn't expect it like sort of like yes. my hands yeah. disappear and my face is gone i'm like <laughs> like how am i supposed to keep but i keep you know i keep i managed to keep talking you know yeah and i'm just like whoa yeah. like this room is like <laughs> crazy right now yes but yeah they're just a. Uh, Usually a handful of people come for each of the twenty-minute sittings, and uh, just Mondays. That's just a nice little thing. I and I've I have been contemplating delving deeper into that idea, like going maybe somewhere, some places in the world that maybe seem to me might need it more, um, or just more extreme circumstances like prisons or hospice. Or um, mm. Now, now, mm. now that I've had some experience with a relatively normal situation, you know? Right. Uh, so that might, you know, don't quote me. That's something I've been thinking about.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to quote you, but it's now (laughs) written in the Akashic record. It's okay. Yeah. That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) It is out there. Yeah, man. That's cool. How did I do answering? We had the, uh, yeah. Progression of practice
0: kind of started to be in there. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, uh, I can connect in with one of your recent guests, Wim Hof. Uh, yeah. One of the big things that happens, I feel like, as spiritual practice deepens, is that the the line between spiritual practice and everything else starts to go away. Hopefully, everything becomes part of it. Right. Right. I obviously I can see when I, I'm in a sort of despiritualized state at times, and or or maybe that's just that's whatever it is. It's necessary for the time. You know, yeah. Yeah. Have you? But. Something I have been including more uh, intentional breathing outside of the regular observation of breath or Ajahn Lee's breath energy observation. I've been using like Wim Wim Hof's breathing techniques or Mm -hmm. other things that I come across. Like I was at um, Jonathan's teacher's school, Daniel Brown, the other day, and they were doing a uh, a breathing exercise.
1: Uh, Is this Wednesday night? Yeah. Uh, Ah, you know... I was so geared up to come, but I didn't come because my back, yeah, I was right. like, I've been so ready. I've been reading the heart suture since the camping trip. Oh, right I was on. like, yeah, I was like, I was all geared up. And then like, by the time that I was just like, you know what, this is the first day I'm starting to feel a little better. I, I just don't want to jump in the car for 25 minutes. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's, there's always going to be another opportunity, but Absolutely. so anyways, I was looking forward to it. It sounds like it was great. So you did, some breathing. It was cool. Yeah. I mean, they did this, uh,
0: this Dakini meditation where, you know, you cover nostrils alternately, similar things Mm. I've done in yoga, Yeah, but, uh, it's one of those things that I'll probably integrate that. So I think like integration in general that, that I think that's something that's, uh, that's coming along. I say like, Oh, here, here's a new idea. How does this fit into, what i know already is it resonant is it i don't know um kramer has this great little thing it's like you know with beliefs or ideas don't pick them up like big heavy weights and put them in your backpack and carry them around like pick them up like a feather put them in your pouch see how they work with the world and then they'll get heavier if uh if they're correct but if they don't work you can just Mm. toss them out nice
1: Uh, so i like that
0: Yeah. It's it's a cool way of looking at belief. Nice little, uh, we don't have, we don't have to get serious about it. (laughs) Yeah. Less fighting.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and I think it implicit in what he's saying, which has been, it's an echo of what you were saying at the beginning about how the Buddha took the principles of medicine and you know, applied it to the mind and kind of deployed a sort of observational technology as it were Absolutely. to really study the movement of the mind. And, and likewise, well, obviously that's so much of what the spiritual path is, is about that sort of gaining penetrating insight into the movement of your own mind and the the habits and the, over time starting to see unconscious patterns and trying to making noble effort to not act out of those and but you know you can't really obviously do that until you do the hard work of just paying attention and yeah so that that's what that made me think about yeah i can't yeah i can't remember what it was you just said that made me think about that but it it did uh Oh, about Neil Kramer's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah same, same, same thing. I'd say, like, furthermore, like with the with
0: the way I've heard the Buddha's teachings put forward, and and all the the teachers that I like, and Kramer, Tennyson Biku, and the Buddha, if it's true, is that they basically say, "Don't take my word for it." Yeah, that goes yeah. along with it. Like, you have to put this into practice, and that you know, that's a. I think that's. A, a good modern sort of spiritual way to look at faith you know we we have enough faith that we're going to put it into practice enough confidence yeah at least and if it doesn't work that's that's fine but if we never try then it's not going to do anything
1: <laughs> yeah no i i think yeah i think that's right you you have to you have to apply the the principles and the practices for yourself and i i think it's it's incredibly challenging. I mean, there's ways in which we want to believe independent of empirical proof in, yes. in our own experience. I mean, I've seen that certainly in my own experience having lived in a spiritual community for like a long time and ultimately becoming blind to the faults of our, both our community and our teacher and knowing that actually the seeds of all of it were right there in the very beginning. I saw pretty much all of the the things that made me uncomfortable and over time just kind of integrated them into the, you know, accepted them, made excuses for them, and then ultimately got behind them. And it's also very subtle. And then, you know, that's why I feel like what you're saying is spot on. You know, if so much of this is about investigating your assumptions investigating your beliefs and then investigating your approach to investigating and <laughs> you know but, you know and and really just as you just said like well what works what what actually works yeah and and uh obviously this is not something you know anyone really gets on top of to it's, it's quite a process
0: oh totally well said
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs>
0: It is quite a process and it's, yeah, you know, I mean, there, there are, there are days where it just, it just feels magical and, you know, open and amazing and yeah. But yeah. you have to, you keep having to plumb the depths to, to, to make it true, you know? Yes. It's a, uh, it's great though. I mean, it's what a opportunity, like you said earlier, I mean, to, mm. that we have going through the world and we can, we can see that how lucky we are to have the opportunity to to wonder the way we do to investigate
1: totally yeah and you know it's hard to well again this is something that I've been reading more but the emphasis that the great teachers put on just impermanence and appreciating how fleeting all this is how quickly it, it passes and relish the time that we have with our loved ones because they're it's just not gonna last nothing lasts right yeah and then it's very you know naturally we want to hold on and you know there's nothing wrong with that you know if you see it in context and if you you really embrace it in a larger context of impermanence you can you can see it all right and you can be a little bit less enslaved by it but it it seems so important absolutely the
0: that that perspective is it's i mean it's a and that's sort of like one of the, uh, the sort of insights, right? The impermanence, yeah. impermanence, yeah. not self. But actually that, re- that makes me think, um, of one of my, f- one of the favorite things that that teacher Tennis Rubico talks about in regards to, uh, impermanence, suffering and not self, uh, that where those are, um, you know, aspects, those are, um, that they're put forward as sort of insights, um, sometimes, but he also says uh, that these are, these are qualities, right? Qualities of the, the fleeting world, if you will, you know, of of that, uh, of samsara or whatever. And so in a way, what we do in meditation is, is establish the exact opposite of that, that you're, you first, you, you're creating a a self that, that wants to do this, that wants something more skillful. Uh, you're, you're trying to, uh, look for the, happiness the the opposite of the suffering part in this space and you're trying to make it permanent (laughs) in a way for right now you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. create a sustaining space so i really like how he, he took that and sort of flipped it he said we're supposed to see that this is true i mean it is true of say samsara but but it's also the exact opposite of what we're doing in a way when we yes practice yes it's kind of yes. like not, not in a uh, delusional way, but in a this practice, this is useful. You know, what, when we apply this to these impermanent bodies and these mind and what well, we don't know how impermanent, we don't know exactly right with the soul, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. we're, what we're building in here. But uh, yeah. yeah, I sort of like had to say that because I, I heard a talk on that
1: recently. Mm. No, it's great. It's really good. Before we kind of wrap up here, what would you say recently for you has been some of the most powerful practice? Can you describe maybe a situation or a moment where you found yourself leaning strongly on your practice to help you get through something? Well, it could be anything. Could be a little moment, could be a big moment, either one. Often it's the little moments, but... Yeah.
0: When I, uh, I think, and I will hearken back a little bit to, um, what I was saying about, you know, the, the way we sort of having this confidence that what I have in here is like, is good enough to share. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it goes back to that, the coloring of the mind, I guess, where that aspect of my practice where I can, I can at least have enough confidence that I I'm, you know, I'm trying and ha- the way that connects with fellowship. So you and I are in this, the, the group together, and there's this group of people that I see through the Neil Kramer group and the building of, of confidence, I guess, to, yeah. to connect. Uh, Cause it, it's, it has been one of those barriers for me where I just like sort of shut down, say, Nah, I won't, I won't bother and mm-hmm. I, to use a, an analogy that actually Kramer used in one of his talks was putting what do they called uh, the the uh <laughs> i'm having a I'm having a, a, a mind moment here I have them all the time yeah <laughs> what's it called the, you know you put the, the small pieces of tile that go together to make the big thing. What was that called? Like a mosaic. Mosaic, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So, yes, this whole thing about, um, you know, where, you know, as we're building our mosaic, right? Yeah. Our life, say our spiritual life is represented by this. And you have this little piece and you, you can't really tell what it is, but you think it's pretty cool. And, you start walking over and you go, nah, I'm just going to put it back in the drawer over here. And, and then he, he sort of acts this out, you know, he's like, yeah, I have this other little piece. No, I'm going to put that back in the drawer too. And ah, no one wants to see that. It goes back to that taking yourself seriously, or maybe a strange way to put it in some context, like it's not like serious, but it is serious. You know, it's, yeah, and it's the idea of until you put your peace on the board, you know, like God can't see you. Like the divine Mm, is, is blind mm. to you. So I I think my practice has really been pushing me in that way more than ever. I mean, it's like these past, uh, weeks, actually the, the final of the four weeks in a row that I was like away from town and was our the camping trip. And just letting myself do that, letting myself like go because i knew there was gonna be so much valuable in those one of them was the kramer workshop one of them was that week away and one of them was a uh, weekend with yeah some other friends and just letting myself like open up to those things just knowing that I'm gonna have to be tired i'm gonna have to step away from the response i'm gonna have to be away from the hearth a little bit more than more than i'm comfortable with Yes. and so yeah yeah that i would say that's the most like sort of poignant new thing and it hasn't been that long but i think i'm feeling the the benefits mm. a lot it's it's kind of indefinable um but it's just this you know i feel like more connected with people who are doing these similar things and and it just it took like th- that little bit of like courage or a little bit of just just do it <laughs> you know just yeah you're stupid Piece on the mosaic and go, you
1: know. Yeah, and yeah, that's good. I, I like that. Well, I, I think that's that's a nice place to to wrap it up. And if so, for everyone who's listening, Mark, if people wanted to check out your guided meditations or be in touch with you, how can they follow up? Where do they find you?
0: Uh, yeah, so just my name. MarkZelinsky.com is uh the website that's the the main portal if you go to the links page you can see like my influences and you can also click there to follow me on facebook i guess for now that's probably the best way to message me mm-hmm. through there so yeah i think that's facebook.com Zelinsky meditations but everything is through MarkZelinsky.com and all of my meditations are on there and they're also on insight timer where I'm actually working on a. Uh, I proposed a course to them, which would also ultimately be available on my website. A, uh, like a 10 day, 10 to 15 minutes per day course on, uh, mm-hmm. on some, mm-hmm. some Buddhist teachings, like some guided meditation. So hopefully sometime in the fairly near future, but that will be available as well. But for now, there's something like 1314 meditations on there you can check
1: out nice those are all little pieces of the mosaic yeah man <laughs> totally nice i like that well sweet uh, this was awesome thank you for taking the time thank you for just getting on here with me and and sharing your wisdom with everybody and your story and yeah, yeah so, thanks so
0: much for having me morgan it was, it was yeah a total pleasure it was uh, yeah so great
1: Totally. I love connecting, man, and I I knew it was going to be good. Hell yeah, brother. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Mark Zelinsky. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. If you want to learn more about Mark's work, I encourage you to check out his website over at markzielinski.com. Mark's got a bunch of guided meditations on there, which you can check out. He's also got links to different teachers and resources Great little website. So I I encourage you to check it out if you're moved or compelled by what Mark had to say today. And if you enjoyed the show, why don't you leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? That is the best way to help out the podcast. It really helps us get in front of other meditators, helps them discover the show. Really big help for us. You'd be surprised how one Just one. One rating and and review on iTunes. Like, I'm always shocked. It dramatically increases the number of people who uh, get exposed to our show. So if you're a fan, if you've been listening for a long time and you've been thinking about leaving a review, let me encourage you to just jump on over to iTunes right now and do that. And if you're new to the show and you really were moved by the conversation today or if you got some insights from it that you're going to take away and practice... It's an awesome way to give back. Check out the One Mind Meditation Podcast on iTunes and and you can leave us a rating and a review. Okay, I'll stop beating that dead horse now. And yeah, we'll also head on over to aboutmeditation.com. We have a vault of podcasts that you can check out. We have a ton of great shows with lots of really interesting, inspiring, deep people, And there's a lot of folks sharing a lot of wisdom. Check it out. If you are interested in learning meditation for yourself, we've got courses where you can learn how to meditate over at aboutmeditation.com. And yeah, so I encourage you, check it out. And let's wrap it up with a quote. And this one is from my favorite, the Rigpa Glimpse of the Day. And here's the quote. Everything can be used as an invitation to meditation. A smile, a face in the subway, the sight of a small flower growing in the crack of cement pavement, a fall of rich cloth in a shop window, the way the sun lights up flower pots on a windowsill. Be alert for any sign of beauty or grace. Offer up every joy. Be awake at all moments to the news that is always arriving, to the news that is always arriving out of silence. Slowly, you will become a master of your own bliss, a chemist of your own joy, with all sorts of remedies always at hand to elevate, cheer, illuminate, and inspire your every breath and movement.